Welcome to the teaching of the New Pathways Part 3. My name is Pastor Gail Crock, Executive Director of Spiritual Care, and I'm glad that you're listening to Part 3, and I pray that it will be a great blessing as you listen. Pathway number seven, walking in peace in the midst of the storm. This is one of my favorite pathways. You know what? We get storms every year in the summer in Michigan. Storms come and storms go, and that will always be the way things are. There will always be storms in life, little, small, some bigger. I don't know what your storm is going to be in the future. I don't know where your lives are going to take you, but you can have peace in the midst of the storm. And the reason I like Philippians 4, 4 through 9 is because it lays out a process by which you and I can be free, by which you and I can walk through the storms when they come. And not only can we keep, get peace, but we can keep it. And we can be a shining star for other people to look to. And they're going to say to you, well, my goodness, how did you go through that? And yet you kept the peace. You kept the faith. You didn't get sidetracked. Let's look at this. Philippians 4, 4 through 9. Here's how it starts out. I wish the first four or five words weren't in the Bible because they're hard to do. Rejoice in the Lord always. I could stop right there. Wow. That's the big verse. You know, there's one thing that God wants you and I to develop. And it's, you don't hear it talked about much. Some people don't like this word. It's kind of a word they don't like to hear. We have to discipline ourselves to do the new pathway. That means your flesh and your natural tendency will not to be a new pathway when you're under stress. Your flesh will want to rage out of control and do all the old things you used to do, and you're going to have to ask the Lord to give you the strength to develop some new ways of thinking. By the way, this may take you a good year, really, to develop. This is going to take you some time, so that you're going to have to listen to this more than once. But he starts off in verse 4, and he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. There's an exclamation point. Why? In the midst of your battle, you can always, you can, there will always be one blessing you can find. If you're really honest and look, there's something you can rejoice about. Then he goes on and he says, Let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near. It's always good to know when I don't want to do something right that the Lord is near. <laughs> it makes me think before I do something. Wow. You know what? The Lord is near. I better be good, right? That shouldn't be the motivation. The motivation should be out of a heart of love because you want to develop the new pathway. But, is, but you know what? It does always help to know the Lord is near in your storm. It's always good to know that Jesus is in my boat. You know, when the disciples were going across the lake and Jesus was sleeping in the front of the boat and the waves were crashing and they were a bale in water and, man, they thought they were going to die. They were panicking. And finally, one of them says, I don't know what the master's doing. He's sleeping up front. We need to wake him up. So they shook him awake, right? And he looked at him, and he stood up, and he rebuked the winds, and they calmed down. And he said, you have little faith. What they should have done is put bail in water because they're working in their own strength. And they should have said, I'll let the water rise. Sooner or later, Jesus is going to wake up. He's going to put an end to this now. You know, I've looked over my 51 years of life. I have faced several storms. Many of them I whined as I was going through them, and eventually God delivered me from them. I've learned that you can relax in your storm because God has a way of bringing you through. I don't know how he does it because you and I can't see the future. But if you will relax, keep your eyes on him, follow his leadership, he will bring you through the storm every time. 
maybe you'll come through it in a way that maybe, you know, it wasn't a way that you planned. But you got through, and you can trust in that. And, you know, that'll help you to sleep better at night. Lord, you're in my storm. I'm going to bed. I ain't thinking about this tonight. You're in it. You're going to help me. I'm not alone in this. Then he says in verse 6, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation. Wow. In every situation. By prayer, petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, that would have been good enough if he had stopped right there, because he gave a promise that you could have peace that transcends understanding. So in other words, people looking at you going, man, I don't get it. How can you guys have peace? I, I just don't get you guys, man. You went through hell and back, and you come out of this, and look where you're at. I don't get it. Well, they're not going to get it because, you see, your peace is all found in him, and you know he's in control. Now, I've got to say this. I've got to stop right here, depending on what the storm is. Some storms are really intense. Some storms are really hard to go through and very hard to keep the peace. So I want to stop here and say this. If you find yourself in a horrific battle, you need to connect to a local church, and you need to connect to somebody in the body of Christ that can surround you during this time. It's interesting, the disciples weren't alone in their boat. They had all their brothers with them, plus Jesus was with them. And so the church is kind of like a ship going through the storms of life. And we need the brothers and sisters that surround us and support us. But we must never forget that Jesus was with us. Verse 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God that trans all understand will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Then he goes, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, if whatever is admirable, if there is anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. What he does is he says, now that you got peace, let me tell you what to do with your mind. Here's what to do with your mind. Here's what to focus on. And look at verse 9. Whatever you have learned, received, or heard, or seen in me, put into practice, there's that word again, discipline is practice, and the God of peace will be with you. One day it hit me. Why does he say the peace of God and later the God of peace? You know, when the Bible does that, it's significant. If you, if you will do the, the process in the first part of the scripture, you can have peace. But if you will follow it all the way through and put your mind on the things that are pure, lovely, and good report, and put that part into practice too, he's saying you can have a new reality that the God of peace is with you. The Bible says his name shall be called. Emmanuel, God with us, revealed to us. Pathway number eight, spiritual warfare. I love this one. In Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 15, I'm not going to go into all of that scripture, but it tells us how we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and forces of spiritual wickedness in heavenly realms. Wow. Now, if you have read Ephesians, and really, it would be good to read verses six, uh, Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. It talks about the armor of God. Now, it talks about the helmet of salvation, the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, and then having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In other words, really being prepared. Feet represent where you walk, so 
you got to be prepared for wherever you're going to go in the battle. You prepare yourself for the pathways the Word of God. When I was thinking about this, I was listening to a brother preach on this subject, and I love what Perry Stone had to say at this point. He said, you know, the one thing Satan is after is your shield. Now, he can't take your shield, but what he wants to do is he wants to shake your confidence in God. He wants to shake it to a point where you give up just before you break through. And that's what many believers do. Because the enemy can't take their shield, they walk around with their shield down. So therefore, all the fiery darts that are flying at them are hitting them each and every time and causing them to be wounded. But if you have your shield of faith up, faith in the Word of God, you know who you are in Christ. When those fiery darts come, your shield puts those darts out. But if you don't do that, those darts will hit you and they hurt. You know, whoever says sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me was the biggest goofball I've ever heard. Because, you know, I can, we can heal a broken arm, but boy, if someone comes up to you and they just rip into you and they're mean and ugly and they saw all kinds of hurtful things to you, that's worse than breaking your arm because now your soul's got to recover from that. Because now you've been wounded in your soul. And if you don't get healing from that, you begin to operate out of that. And you'll buy into the lies the enemy's trying to put on you. You know, when we talked about the one pathway where we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, that's exactly what happens. We experience a hurt, and around that hurt, we develop several belief systems that are built on lies, but they are how we feel. Like, I'll give you a common hurt. I went to church, they treated me like garbage. Therefore, church is a bunch of hypocrites. I'll never go to church again. Well, that's not true. Church is not a bunch of hypocrites. Hey, when I was pastoring, I said, let all the hypocrites come to my church. Why? They need Jesus. Jesus didn't come for the righteous. He came for the unrighteous, right? That's what he came to do. But what happens is when one belief system you have fails, you do another one, another one, another one, and another one, and all your belief systems are, are, are set in place to try to protect you from more pain and hurt. But every time one of your belief systems fail, you experience more hurt, and you develop another belief system, and that is called a stronghold. And that is what Jesus wants to heal. Through spiritual care, we go to the root of the problem, take it out, find healing, and we develop the new pathways. Why? So that we can be free. And what happens in spiritual warfare is this. The enemy knows where you've been hit, and he knows where you're wounded. And James chapter 1 says that when we are tempted, we are tempted out of our own evil desires, and we are enticed. So what the enemy does, he kind of circles around you, looking at you, and he's looking for the chinks in your armor. He's looking for the areas where you're weak, and then he begins to play on those areas. And through spiritual warfare, you realize that when your armor is strong, you can stand there in the battle and not be hurt by the enemy's dart. Now, you know, on the Roman's armor, there was no armor on the backside. That's because there was no retreat. For the believer, the Bible says the glory of God is our rear guard. There's no one getting through my backside, praise God, because I'm being guarded by the glory of heaven, and I can have my armor on front. And you know what? My Bible tells me when I don't know what to do, it tells me to stand there for. Stand there with my armor on, and the Lord will show me what to do. And having your armor on, the Bible tells me to put on the armor of God. Then one day when I was reading this scripture, I was in Romans 13, 12, and I found a scripture. I found another scripture. It says that we are to put on the armor of light. So you have the armor of God and you have the armor of light. I love it. You know why? 
the enemy of darkness. How bright do you think God's light is? It's blinding to the enemy. So every day, put on your armor, man. Say, Lord, thank you for my helmet. Thank you for my shield. Thank you for my sword. God hasn't called you to be a defensive Christian. He's called you to be offensive. He's called you to put these things into practice. All right? And then along with uh, spiritual warfare scripture, we I also love Matthew 18, 18 through 20. It's about binding and loosing. Surely I tell you, whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. Again, I tell you, if any two of you on earth agree about anything, and they ask it, it will be done for them by my Father which is in heaven. For over two or three are gathered together in my name. There am I in the midst of them. You have authority through the name of the blood of Jesus to bind. If you think you're in a spiritual battle, you know I don't see a demonic spirit behind every book or uh, rock or bush, and I never do. But you know what? If spiritual battles do come, and if you discern, wow, this is spiritual in nature, you can bind those things through the name of the blood of Jesus and ask the angels of heaven to take them to the feet of Christ and command them away from you. It's called sending it back away because, you know, it's kind of like this. If you got victory from a hurt or a wound or anxiety or depression, just be forewarned it'll come knocking around again to see if you will open the door to it again. The Bible says that when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, at the end of it, finally, Jesus rebuked the enemy, but the enemy, the Bible says, left him for a more opportune time. So don't be afraid. Don't walk in fear. Realize that you have equipment, pathways, and armament to help you walk in victory the rest of your life if you will stay disciplined. And remember, this is not about a religious habit. This is about uh, a personal encounter with the presence of heaven and change coming that way. That's what I like about this, the new pathway. Thank you for joining us today for the teaching of the New Pathways Part 3. I pray that it was helpful for you, and I pray that it will give you keys that will unlock many doors to your life on a day-to-day basis. Let us pray. Lord, I pray that your presence would be with each and every person who is listening to this series. I pray that your light and your wonderful presence would shine on them right now where they're at. In Jesus' name, amen.